Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones. I'm so happy to be here with you all today, and I want to give a very warm welcome to Marianne Pruitt. Marianne is the CEO and president at Mosaic Media, a collection of media buying experts and creative strategists who negotiate, purchase, and monitor advertising space and airtime for agencies and small businesses of all sizes. With over 20 years of experience, Marianne started her career in media by working as a senior sales executive for some of the nation's largest media outlets. She's been named as a top woman in media by Synopsis Media and has made it her mission to empower others with the knowledge and tools to create a perfectly tailored media buying strategy. Today, Marianne and I are going to be chatting about media strategy and how to manage it in our ever-evolving climate. We'll learn what works from Marianne's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses just miss the mark. Marianne, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Thanks for having me, Stacey. I'm excited for our chat. Of course. What I love to do always is start off letting our listeners know a little bit about you. How did you start your journey and end up here today? It's so funny. I actually started as a graphic designer right out of high school, and I never thought in a million years I'd end up in media the way I am now. So in my journey through college, I found a love for statistical data and economics and marketing. And that's actually what ended up happening and combining where I found my love for media. Uh, Data will always tell us a story. And in media, that is such a true, true thing that we can hang our hat on. So that's actually my journey is starting, let's start in design and the very creative part of my brain and fell in love with the left side of my brain and the data side. That's awesome. Now, what all of y'all don't know is that Marianne is calling in right now from Alaska. She has managed to create a national media advertising agency out in what some of us would consider a little bit of the boonies. She just has a little trek in a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous landscape around her. But Marianne, you know, can you tell us a little bit more? You work with brands and agencies all over the United States. Yep. We're in all 50 states. We even have international clients as well. I operate actually on East Coast time because most of my clients are on the East Coast um, as well as the West Coast. But if I operate on East Coast, I'm able to cover all all coasts and everything that we're able to do. Uh, It's, you know, I've had the amazing opportunity of being able to pick where I live and to and love the home that I'm in and be able to call Alaska my home, but still be able to build that company that serves all 50 states and internationally. The amazing thing in today's world, and I think COVID really actually pushed us into that, is nobody cares where we are anymore. And we can collaboratively work together. Um, and really it's it's a matter of who's an expert and what. It doesn't matter where we are, right? It, it's exciting to be able to see that evolution take place. So you really have on a stockbroker Wall Street hours that you're yes, on. I do. So- I do. Yeah, my day starts at around 4 a.m. Alaska time. And it, I wish I could say like I'm done at noon. I'm not done at noon, but that's OK. You know, and I love what I do and I love our clients. And we are very fortunate to be able to have the experience as well as the team to back up all 50 states. And we have we have team members all throughout the country. We have a West Coast office, an East Coast office, a Texas office. So we are we're all over the place. That's awesome. Yeah. So when you're working with one of these various clients all over the United States or internationally, and you're starting to work with them on their media strategy for the first time, what's the first step? How do you launch this process so that you know that they are going to be successful at what you're endeavoring to do? 
Yeah, the first thing is to collaborate together and actually come together as a trusted team. Where things go south is when you're not trusting the team that you're working with. And I'm a big believer in trust. Um, and I'm a big believer in building that trust with with all clients, no matter what. Um, but if I get into the nitty gritty of the buy and where the strategy is going to be, it seems very basic, but it is so important to today's world is who are we targeting with each buy? Um, the biggest mistake that we see is actually treating all generations as the same in media. And it, in today's world, we have five working generations. That's the first time in American history that we've ever had this. I cannot reach the 78-year-old man the same way I am an 18-year-old man. And I have to think about strategically who is that target, how is each target individually influenced, who are they influenced by, and then how is my media reaching them? And those are those are the things that it sounds so basic to say, oh, who's your target demographic, right? We used to always say that, who's your target demographic? Now it's literally who's your target persona. If you could pick the individual person that you are wanting to buy your product, who is it? It could be a woman 43 years old, has four kids, has over $100,000 in income, drives a minivan, like we can, you can get very nitty gritty. And that's where, that's where you have to really hone in and figure out what that niche is for your brand and who that audience is. So many brands that I talk to when, because we do, you know, we don't do media buying, but we do right. product placement and integration and right. dive in and we need to know the same things of who is right. the target demographic, right? Right. Because who we think it is, isn't always who the brand says it is. A lot of people come back and, you know, they're so focused on psychographics, but here you are, you're saying, you know, I'm trying to reach that 78 year old man. Psychographics don't always work perfectly across the board for doing media targeting. They do not. And what... What I would, in the programmatic space, the opportunity that we have in the last few years versus where we've had in the past, you know, you've had your digital, digital that, and it's so funny because people, oh, do you work in digital? That is such a big umbrella now. And we treat it like it's the small umbrella. No, that covers everything from Google to Bing to Amazon to programmatic placement to, I mean, and programmatic placement is a bidding process in which we're bidding on the persona that I'm trying to reach and what they're reading and where they are and what videos they're consuming. It's a completely different umbrella and we have to expand and think, okay, I am actually diving into who, who that human being is and what their behaviors are. And how do I, and media buying as a whole, the traditional side is not dead, but when it comes to the digital side, the targeting that we can do is so much more robust and how we can target that to the level. And what does your traditional buying that you're doing, how does that marry with that, right? So yeah, you're you're spot on that you can't, the psychographic versus the demographic and how are we looking at each persona and how are we then, how are we building a plan for that? And we're, at the beginning, I said data tells us a story and the data that we're collecting on individuals, maybe we need to look at pivoting our brand. Maybe we, okay, actually we're really doing really well with this demographic. And we need to make a little an adjustment and shift and optimize towards that. Are you finding that brands are targeting consumers who are older than when you first started your career 16 years ago? So it's so interesting. And actually now I'm a, a little over 20 years ago. So okay. yeah, sorry. Yeah. The, no, but, see, the, I can't, I went off of, you know, no, LinkedIn, exactly, so no, there you go. Exactly. Exactly. But when I started my career and I, I had the, I had the fortunate experience to be able to start my career right out of high school. 
And I went, I worked through college and I, I was able to learn a lot more. And I feel like that was such a tangible, um, you know, just a leg up that I had because of the fact that I'm applying everything I'm learning in college, but in the real world, right? So when I started that career, the evolution of media I, mean, I can't even tell you in the last 20 years what I've been able to see. It's significant. It's we went from TV, radio, print and a little bit outdoor, a little things here and there. That's how we targeted to now. It really is that more broad targeting and that individualized broad targeting. Right. Like it's the it's a very specific. So when it, back to your question of when I'm looking at the the older demographics versus the newer younger demographics, what we actually are finding the older demographics are more persuaded by the younger demographics. They're influenced by those younger demographics. They're influenced by their children and their grandchildren. They're still working and it may be a retirement project, but they're still working. And it's because they don't want at 78 years old, they feel more young than they, they don't feel like they're 78 years old and they're still, they're still in the workplace. So when we, whether or not we're targeting them more or less, I think actually we, there's more spending power spread evenly than there has been in the past. Yeah. It used to be that, you know, once someone hit 55, no one would really target and advertise them anymore because, you know, oh, they're going to be paying for college. They have no more disposable income. Gone are those years. We better hustle and get those 20 and 30 year olds again and all of those early age parents. But it's really shifted. And it's amazing which companies have made those switches and where from watching my mother's interactions with things where yes. companies are failing, actually. Yes. A lot of companies are failing in this area. They're not thinking of it as a generation that they, the ones that are failing are the ones that are not thinking of it as a generation that has money to spend. Actually, our older generation now did do a lot of their due diligence and saving some money, but they're still working. And that that is a difference that we've never seen. And like my father, I look, you know, like you said, you mentioned your mother. I look at my father. If my kids ask him for something or if my kids like, hey, pop, this just happened or whatever. Like the other day, my 16-year-old son, he's talking about Teslas. And my dad goes, you know, with the price of gas and the very, like, I'm like, I would have never in a million years thought my father would even consider a Tesla. Yeah. But in his mind, yeah, you know what? That might be a good investment. That might be a good idea. But we're not like brands have ignored the older generation. You're right. Because years ago, it was 55 plus. Eh. It was only voters 55 plus that we ever concentrated on. It was never a for consumer and buying power at all. But they're still working. They've saved. And you know what? A lot of them now, and I think the pandemic kind of pushed them into this of, you know what? What's this money going to do sitting in a bank account? I should, I should experience, I should experience this. I worked really hard for this. I should use it. And even with technology, like my mother was at AT AT&T and we use AT&T. So I'm not naysaying, you know, AT&T here. I have it throughout my entire business. My life I've been using AT&T for the last, God, I want to say more than 25 (laughs) years. (laughs) I like ridiculous amounts. But my mom walked into an AT&T store and she wanted a new phone. And she was looking at a new Samsung Galaxy. Mm -hmm. And the guy looked at her quite at her age. And he said, no, that's not for you. That technology, you know, you don't need that. You know, you'd be better with something that's a dumbed down phone. You don't really need, you know, this thing. I will tell you, my mother lives on this phone. Like she's playing games. I have a thousand and one Facebook photos that come from her on a single day. Like it's her life. And it's people do miss the mark. Like 100%. It's just a good example. 
and it's the stereotype of the older generation doesn't have anything to buy from us when in reality not only are they influencing the younger generation like our generation i call it the sandwich generation we have our children and we have our parents right and we're kind of pulled in the middle of making sure that both sides are taken care of both sides are are okay like even though our parents are more independent than maybe our grandparents were with our parents like we look at it and we're like okay you're more independent but i want to make sure you're okay right but we're often missing the fact of the spending power that this older generation has but the brands that own that and go there they're making money their their pnls look great and i think a big part think of the hobbies think of the things that are targeting them and the in various things that going into media consumption habits that changed during this pandemic we learned that the older generation got pushed and shoved and evolved into social media overnight. It was an evolution. They had to, or they wouldn't yeah. see their family. Exactly. It was an evolution that would have taken a decade or more or a never with their generation. Overnight, I'm on social media. I need to know what's going on. I need to know where my family is. I need to talk to everybody, the FaceTiming, all those things that went through the roof for them. But the social media consumption, they started to consume it for news, but they didn't stop their traditional forms of consumption of news. They just added something. Now they're living on those devices. They're looking, and it's back to that example of what you're saying, when someone walks in and they assume, looking at the individual, eh, you're just not as savvy. Don't underestimate that because they actually, this older generation's on their phones more than a lot of us are. They are on social media more, which scares me sometimes, but they are on social media more. <laughs> they are doing things more. Like my, my father, I look at him and I use him as an example. He's a high school principal and he just retired last year. And now he's in a retirement project of another school. And, but he has more Twitter followers than any of my friends. Like I look That's at it and I'm like, how are you in your seventies and late seventies and you have more Twitter followers? And it's because I, people love you. People are out there. You think of that. And it's, don't underestimate that. Don't take away the power of what that generation has. Yeah, and all of his followers are young too. Yes. So he's an influencer. He's and I an know influencer. This. Yes. My husband is a retired principal who transitioned over to a COO of our agency yeah. Um, yeah. to run admin. And like those kids who are now adults, I they're fans, like 100%. rabid fans. They are. I can't tell you how many times I go anywhere with him, and it doesn't matter in what part of the country I go to either. There are students who have known him. There's when you're in edge. He was in education for 55 years. He still is, but you know until officially retiring, 55 years, coast to coast, up to Alaska, like wherever. I walk anywhere. I randomly ran into him to the, at the grocery store yesterday, and some kid walks by. Hi. And I'm like, I, I don't even know, like, but he's influ he influ anything he posts, he's an influencer right. and he influences them. They look up to him and we think of the, you know, it goes into the subject of influencers and we think into, okay, who's really influencing and who, who are some of the things are there? Yes. Are there big influencers? Are there, but we are totally ignoring a generation that has influence yeah. and influence that each generation is wanting to get information from. They want advice. They want that wisdom. Mm -hmm. And we are totally like marketers that are paying attention to it are doing well. Marketers that are not are ignoring it. And they're just, they're losing out on something on gold. It really is gold. Yeah. So back to, and then we yeah. went on this lovely tangent, which yes, I love, yes. right? <laughs> But back to, so you're working with an agency and, or, or a brand. We work a right? lot with oh. agencies. Yep. Yep. And it's 
you know, early days and you're getting them off started in the right direction. You've figured out their demographic, their psychographics, what the plan is. What's next after that? But really, it is. It's outlining the strategy and the plan. So it's working together. We're working with agencies and that's who primarily we do a lot of work with agencies as well as individual in-house marketing brands. That's typically, you know, the in-house marketing team uh, for bigger brands. That's how we, we usually work. But the with that, so the next place is, okay, now we need to outline that budget. What does the budget look like? And then how are we breaking out? Because it's okay to have more than one target audience. And I think that's the that's the misnomer that I like to crush a lot is don't get, you can have the older generation and the younger generation, just don't try to target them the same way. Don't try to use that budget, it, divide the budget up. Make it where it's a strategic mix as opposed to just, okay, across the board. Because remember, Stacey, you'll remember the days of my target audience is between the age of 18 to 54. Okay, let's not, let we're caught in a world that's not reality if I'm trying to do that 18 to 54 thing and get everybody in the middle, right? That's the shotgun approach as opposed to the target approach. And the great thing is with tools now, you can target and spend that budget so much more wisely if you divide them out. So it's okay to have more than one demographic. And then really picking the strategy of what products are you going to launch there? Where, what is our goal of this of these campaigns? And every year, so, you know, brands come at the end of the year and they're like, okay, we've got next year's budget, right? Like fourth quarter of the year before, it's always like, we got next year's budget, right? That's how everybody looks at it. And you're, okay, let's just do the next, the same thing as we did last year. No, you need to reassess every year. You need to reassess what was good that came out of it. What are the findings that we found on the data that we, we've been able to do and collect? And how do we pivot? Or how do we do just continue to do the same, but grow on it and continue to expand that? So it is the outline of the strategy of where's that, that goal? Then what is what are the tactics and the budget behind those tactics that's gonna get us to that goal? And then after that, what's mm -hmm. the next step? So by the way, you've stopped them in December and you're like, okay, let's dive into the analytics. You did say that you love math and you love stats. Yes, I do. I do. Yep. I yep. do. So yep. you've revamped, you've rolled it out. You're like, okay, this is our new path for the next yep. year. The yep. same path or some slightly different or a vastly different one. Yep. What happens then? So then we're looking at overall the budget consumption of it and then the creative assets that are going to go behind it. Um, from us, we actually partner with, we don't do the creative. We are strictly strategy. So we stick in that path and we stick in that lane. That is what we do on media strategy. We do the placement, we do the traffic, we do all of that. But what I always say this, you can have the best media buy in the world and you can have the best creative in the world. But if they are not marrying together and working together, it won't matter. And it's an oftentimes thought about, frankly, people think of creative first, like what's my TV commercial going to look like? What's my video going to look like? Am I going to be on Amazon? Am I going to be like, it's so funny with like OTT, oh, I'm going to see my ad. And, you know, everybody gets really excited about the creative side of it, but they're not, they, they then think, oh yeah, 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 the tactics and the buying side of it, but they have to be equally important. And that's a big, I, that's probably what makes us stand out a little bit from competitors is the fact that we understand that the creative side is just as important as, as the media side, but, and vice versa, we wanna make sure it's there. So it is making sure that you have the right message back to the tactic in which you're working and back then again, not to beat a dead horse, 
but it goes right back to who is our target audience. Let's make sure we have the right message for that target audience. Let's make sure if we're targeting women, let's make sure it's not offensive to women. If we're targeting men, let's make sure there's a little humor in it. Like there's certain things that you want to make sure that you're doing in that, in that tactic and making sure that it, but it all boils down to who's that target audience again. Um, so yeah, the creative side of it is just as important. It's something that people it's either or people get either excited about the media buy tactics or they get excited about the creative. They need to get excited about both. Both play such a pivotal, pivotal role. How are you working with brands right now who are in dealing with the ups and the downs? There's COVID, there's Russia and Ukraine, there's the economy, there's whatever is the next slap across our face that's going to be happening. Yep. Yeah. And right now, I think so many people are feeling the the panic of when's the next shoe going to drop and when is it going to drop? What's going to happen? As opposed to, I, you know, I think years ago, it was more natural for us to expect the good. And now we've come to it, whether it's trauma or whether, whatever it is over the last couple of years, we have come to expect the worst. And it's not, we, we ha have to change our mindset to try to find the good wherever we possibly can and to expect the good wherever we possibly can too. Right. You know, it's a, it's a mindset, but with that, the biggest thing for brands and what's most important is consistency to not knee jerk react to stay on board. You know, I remember, you know, after 9-11 doing, you know, working with some brands and working with some things that that we, you know, just in, not just in the media sphere, but in marketing as a whole, it was very much OK. Where, when do we become, when do we start coming back on? We don't know the world that we're living in. We're not sure what we're going to do. And the brands that actually stayed consistent. And they pay, I, I like to say they played a game of leapfrog. They actually did. They overcame some of their competitors in it. Some of the best brands were developed during that time frame. And you look at it and that's the same thing where we are now. Consistency is going to be so true. Don't knee jerk react and stop because you're actually going to lose momentum right now. When we look at it and we look at the strategy of everything, when you're out there and you're spending the budget on the brand of what you're doing, if you're not staying consistent in it, it is going, you're going to teeter back and you're going to disappear. You're not top of mind, top, you're not in that mind of awareness at all for the consumer. And so if you, you need to stay consistent in that and not knee jerk react to the ebbs and the flows, know what your brand is and stay in the lane of your brand. Everything else is going to happen around you. I, I think of like the, you know, have you ever seen like your kids playing Legos or whatever? Like, this is how I look at it. I don't, I have boys and they, when they were little, if they were focused on something that they wanted to do, everything around them could be chaos. It didn't matter. They were hyper-focused because this is what they wanted. This is what they wanted. This is what they loved, right? And like, it didn't matter. The whole house could be chaos. I, I often say that, you know, our house at times was like a train station during COVID. It was like, everybody's on a Zoom call. Everybody's everywhere, right? But they were hyper-focused on what they wanted to do. And that's how brands, how we have to be, is that we have to hyper-focus and not everything around us can be changing, can be evolving, can be doing things. Make sure we're we're adjusting our tactics, but we need to be consistent in our message and who we're approaching. And so what are other hints, suggestions that you have for brands in this space right now and the climate that we're in? The climate that we're in, it, it, first, the consistency is there. If you have not honed in on who that ideal customer is, do it now and figure it out because it's going to be, we're not going to have a choice in five years of whether or not to hone in. We need to hone in. And that's where your competitors are if you aren't. Um, and if they're not a competitor yet, they will be. 
And so really hone in on that. And really, it's not, it, you know, not to just like make it as simple as possible, but really own it, own who it is, build all your content towards them, build everything, build all your messaging towards them, really bring that inbound for you of who are you targeting, hone that in. And you can't get more specific, like get as specific as you possibly can. And you're able to target it. The things that we can do digitally now and targeting is you, the more you know who that audience is, the better. So, you know, consistency, but really, if you do not know who you're truly ideal like get habits in there like know exactly who this ideal customer is own that and then build the tactics around it so reassess i'm a big believer in reassessing and relooking at strategies every year at minimum if not every quarter you should be optimizing your plans and looking at everything as as they are going and evolving um i'm a big believer as it's okay to place your media annually but they should be you should be assessing it with your media team regularly so if your media team is coming to you you should be looking at it monthly, quarterly. Some big brands that we work with, we look at it weekly and we are constantly looking at it. I'll tell you on the digital side, our team optimizes daily and is constantly in there optimizing based off of the data that we're seeing for the brands that we work with. But when it comes to like a shift in tactics or when it comes to things like that, it's okay to reassess more regularly than we have in the past. How are you handling all of the brands who don't necessarily want to be placed next to news that's upsetting, depressing, downers, yeah, or and, scary? Yeah. And honestly, it is, it goes back to first the audience to, is your audience reading that, then we need to be aware of that. But there are ways in programmatic um, as well as in other placements to, to eliminate where we are and where we're going to be and what kind of messages are out there if you just want to be in a positive outlook um the i will tell you this the consumption of our our of individuals and customers now has evolved and we have to pay attention to this so that's probably another big key thing is pay attention to how your target customer has evolved in the last few years our younger audiences actually are consuming traditional media more than they used to because they want especially the smaller the market that they live in the smaller that neighborhood the smaller that city the more they want to know what's going on locally and that is something that's new. Just like we saw the older generation shift to social media overnight, we saw the younger generation shift to traditional platforms. And so with that, you want to you want to make sure that you know where they actually are. But making those adjustments, making those things, looking at that as a whole, is really it's just it's very important in that overall all, overall campaign for sure. It's interesting. There's platforms like Nextdoor, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know in Alaska if you have Nextdoor, but they oh, seem yes, to be everywhere, yes. right? Yes. And they've started doing advertising the last yep. couple of years. Yep. They started testing it out, rolling it out, getting more and more. But it's really that neighborhood go-to for, yep. I would say, people in their 30s plus, because it seems like no one in their 20s cares what their neighbors right. might be right. doing. <laughs> but, you know, that's okay. Right. But there's so many alternative channels now that you can actually get very heavily involved in. Yeah. And so, and that's honestly anything in the digital space and when you're looking at it and I'm, when I take when I say digital space, I'm looking at you know you take Google for your PPC and Bing and Amazon even for your search, um, these various things over here. That's a whole category in itself. Um, but in the programmatic side of it, you're looking at where is that target audience, and we have so much data available now um, that we can see. Okay, this is where my audience is, and it's going to place it based on our optimizations. Based on that's why the the audience is so important because the data we will be able to we will be able to actually target to that programmatically and bid on that. 
in that level. So it's very, yeah, like the next doors and the, the really interesting thing, there's so many interesting things that came out of <laughs> COVID, but if we look at it like 10 years from now, I'm very fascinated, like to see how we look back at it, but we evolved and we changed so drastically overnight on so many different things, but community became such a big thing too. That's where things like next door, um, our families became closer. Like everything was very much community driven in every generation. We saw a different form of community and the younger generations became their friend circle um, in older generations. It was online and it was family. Um, I, the sandwich generation were us right in the middle. It was all the above. It was our friends were really important to us. Our neighborhood was really important to us. Like I think during COVID, I talked more to neighbors than I've ever talked. Like we became close. You're texting with your neighbors. Like it's not, it's not like it was before the pandemic. Maybe you would talk to them here or there, but now it's like, okay, we really, that sense of community is really important. So yeah, it's it, all of the different apps, all of the different programs, all the different, anything out there, media, if it's on the phone, if it's on the TV, if it's on your computer, it should be considered media. And that's the, that, how are you then paying to make sure that your ad is popping up in there? And with all those different types of media that are out there, yeah. right? So many types of media that yes, you can advertise is. in. Are you seeing that brands and agencies are more leaning towards more of the digital and programmatic with deeper insights versus television where Nielsen can only give you so much? It really depends on the market and it really depends on the audience. So, um, and where, where you're targeting are, are we doing a lot more programmatically? Yes. Um, that it would be foolish for us, for us to not consider it, but we cannot think that traditional is dead. We know we need to know that traditional has its place. Um, there's a lot, you know, trade publications there's, if you're doing a big trade show or if something is like, you need to make sure that you're in certain trade publications, but digitally now I can maybe target and bid those programmatically online for the digital portion of that. So it's the, yes, the magazine side, and, but then you also have in the print side, but you also then have the digital aspect of it that option wise, you know, and for us, not everybody has the, the ability to have a seat on a DSP, we do, and you're able to just bid and be able to be in that. But that's why find a firm that can, find a firm that has that seat for you, that then it gives you the best of both worlds. You don't have to invest in your own DSP to be able to do it, but you have a, you have a firm that you can trust that's on, on that seat and representing your brand there and bidding for you. So it's a very uh, wide gamut and so many options, but at the same time, when we look at don't get overwhelmed by the budget of it, because there is so much more we can do with budgets now uh, and be able to spread. So traditional still has its place. So I don't want to say traditional is dead. And the smaller the market it is, the more radio is actually more important. And it sounds so weird, but that is the, the local radio is very, very important more and more. It's harder to buy radio because everything is divided up more evenly than it has before, where you used to have like a dominating station. Now it's pretty much evenly, everybody's surfing. Um, Only the dominated stations yeah. happened and stayed in right. existence. So they're exactly. all dominating. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and here's the other thing with traditional, know when, where to buy it, meaning know where the viewers are, know where your target audience is. So traditional platforms has its strength. You're going to buy your local news. That's where it's going to have its strength. You're going to buy the morning stations for radio and the morning shows for radio, because that's when people are listening. The rest of the time know that, okay, programmatically, I'm going to be over here. And this is, this is broader. This is where I'm getting streaming audio. This is where I'm getting OTT. This is where I'm getting my streaming television. And this is where I'm getting my display. This is where I'm getting my pre-roll. That's over here. But know that the strength over here for traditional still exists. 
for all of our listeners who are like, okay, she has so many great insights. This woman is fantastic. How can they find you? Yeah, Where so, can they go? Yeah, you can go to our website. It's mosaic.agency. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter at Media Maps. Um, and then if you want to reach me out to me directly, you can go to mosaic.agency forward slash contact. That'll come straight to me. I'd love to chat or just if you ever just want to pick my brain, I'm a big believer in just giving education and giving information. So pick my brain, reach out. I'm all about it. And Marianne, what are some last parting words of advice to our eager beaver listeners out there who are like, I'm going to revise and revamp my media planning? Don't get overwhelmed. That's the biggest thing. Take a step back and breathe and know that actually it's, it's able, you're able to accomplish this. Know that you can know that you actually know who your audience is and just own it, own who you are as a brand own and go out there and, and divide and go and conquer it and just go get that. And then it, but just don't be overwhelmed by it. Know that it's okay to think, okay, big picture, where am I going? What am I doing? Try to simplify it into those three easy steps of just knowing who your target audience is, where are they? And now let me build that budget around it. And that's it. That's all you have to do. Don't overthink it. Marianne Pruitt. Thank you so much. You are awesome. Thank you for joining us today. For sure. Thanks, Stacey, for having me. I really appreciate it. And to all of our listeners, thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. If you are ever interested in learning more how you can do product placement and celebrity endorsement partnerships and that wild, wacky world of influencer marketing, keep Hollywood branded in mind. Reach out to our team and be happy to chat. Have a great day.